When you get a flu shot, you're protecting more than just yourself. You're protecting your family, your community, and frontline healthcare workers. It's possible to get the flu and COVID-19 at the same time, so it's more important than ever to take steps to protect ourselves and the people around us. By getting a flu shot, you greatly reduce your chance of catching the flu and spreading it to others. It's just a little shot. But it makes a big difference to all of us. The flu shot is available now at Penn Medicine Lancaster General Health. Welcome to the Agile Empath Podcast. Whether you're leading, managing, coaching a team, there is a human behavior aspect. We have 20 plus years in the mental health industry and have creative ways to approach situations. We're going to begin with innovative ideas, how to tap into creativity, utilizing empathy. So these are soft skills to tap into our own potential and help others tap into that potential so we can be efficient with agile methodologies. Please like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Agile Empath, Leadership Skills Part 4, Conflict and Microaggressions. My name is Alexia Georgiou and I am so glad that you've joined us today. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. Hello, my name's Alexia Georgiou. I'm a coach and consultant. I innovate and create with empathetic, agile methodologies. My website is theresilientpathway.com. Contact me, alexia at theresilientpathway.com. That's A-L-E-X-I-A at theresilientpathway.com. We have special pandemic coaching packages available. We're also providing consultation services with development and training on Zoom. I look forward to hearing from you. Hello and welcome to our leadership series. Today we're talking about conflict resolutions and we're specifically going to talk about microaggressions, what they are and how to address them. So our world is in unrest. There is conflict globally. On a smaller scale, there's conflict in families between authority and the subordinates, if you think about our governments, um, among peers and coworkers, and during daily communication in the community. So think about the bank, the grocery store while driving. Think about our mask ordinances. Um, I'm in Tennessee. I have not seen anyone be confronted. I have seen people without masks where the store is saying it's mandated by the corporation, as well as the state of Tennessee has, um, well, not the state, but the, our city does have a mask mandate. I have seen no confrontation on that. However, when we read the stories, some of the confrontations where citizens or employees are saying, put on the mask, um, it becomes, sometimes people become aggressive and people get hurt. So we're also afraid to say something. Um, And that's part of the conflict that we're experiencing. So we wanted to help out with identifying how to manage conflict 
All of us can use skills building. This is part of life. The most seasoned leaders have given us the top eight skills that they value and continually work on. So this does not come natural. Uh, this is something that takes training, just like going to the gym. So steps to manage conflict, there's five. Um, and so don't avoid it. There's an elephant in the room. Be assertive to talk about it. Timing is really important. Timing a conversation with hard evidence without delay. Establish boundaries with performance expectations. So clarity is key to managing conflict. Respect differences. All of us have bias. The key is to be aware of the bias and look at the other person's perspective respectfully. Confront the tension. Uh, so again, call it out and bring it to our attention and say, what is the saying? Can we, can we talk about? Because this is feeling really uncomfortable right now. Microaggressions. Uh, now, again, this is part of the human experience. Uh, if you could say, I've never um, been part of a microaggression experience then you're not human. Um, so all of us just need to be open. And this is a real exploratory series because it does increase our self-awareness and it takes humility and that we want to grow and improve. So microaggression is a term used for brief and commonplace daily verbal, behavioral, or environmental indignities whether intentional or unintentional, that communicate hostile, derogatory, or negative prejudicial slights and insults towards any group, particularly culturally marginalized groups. So these can be remarks, questions, actions towards groups subject to stereotypes and discrimination occurring frequently without harm intended in everyday life. Uh, so there are examples of microaggressions and ways to respond that we wanted to talk about. An implicit bias, we're not even aware of it. And it can creep into our minds and affect our actions. These are thoughts about people that you didn't even know that you had. So examples are attitudes, stereotypes, and assumptions. Again, we all do this. Uh, microaggressions can occur in person and during online interactions, such as invading space, touching a colleague without consent. Have you ever patted someone on the back? Uh, have you ever um, done something and you thought, oh my goodness, I was feeling a little too comfortable and a little too familiar, and it was harmless. You were not intending to harm or cause that person to feel uncomfortable. Um, I was in a situation where I was with a friend and we were going to a Bible study and the pastor, he said, hi, and he grabbed her shoulder and he massaged her shoulder. And then his face turned so beet red when he realized what he had just done. And we just started laughing because this is a man who would teach the congregation. Um, he didn't want the men and women hugging because he had seen some interactions that were questionable. And it was just easier to say, don't hug. And here he was grabbing her shoulder. Uh, so it can happen. 
to us. And that's why leadership, increasing that self-awareness and being mindful of microaggressions and our biases is key to being an effective leader. Um, leaving things on a colleague's desk. So creating your space in their space. Online, what does this look like? A lot of us are in virtual meetings. So we're in a group meeting and you send distracting chat messages to one person. Uh, that can be a microaggression. Dominating conversations. So I was in a book club and if you're in a group with me in these virtual meetings or even in person, I'm the listener because I value listening and that is key to communication is listening and reflecting. So I'm the person that I've heard everyone's perspective and then I'll be called upon and I can say, so I heard this person say this and that person say this and have you thought of? And I really like to get other people's perspectives. Well, how does that translate when people are dominating conversations? I was in a book club and two of the people just dominated the conversation. Um, and then one of the members was getting in some comments. And then by the time we ended, she said, I would like to hear before we go on, what Alexia has to say. So I really appreciated that. Um, and that's an area that is for me to navigate, to assert myself. And there's different techniques that I use. I may chat the leader um, if I feel like the conversation's being dominated. And I may say, can you make space for me? Um, because for some reason, it feels rude to me to speak over people. And some communication experts, I heard someone in a webinar say, if you're speaking on a Zoom call and people are speaking over you, keep speaking. So I'm working on it because it just feels rude. Um, okay. Uh, getting interrupted. So interrupting someone's a microaggression. It's condescending, um, speaking to them and correcting them. Also power splaining, so uh, the leader's in the room and then the team is there as well and the leader interrupts a team member and power splains. So the leader doesn't really know about the subject and it's just talking. Um, so power splaining, interrupt another on a topic that you know nothing about, assuming that you know a lot. That's real insecurity there. And so as leaders, I mean, all of us have insecurities, and if we feel threatened by someone or that they may know more than us, we need to look at that, and we need to explore that because we want people on our team to know more than us. We want to, them to be experts in their field and bring a plethora of information, diversity of thought, and viewpoints so we can create the best there is for the whole population. And if we think of who are we targeting there is so much diversity in this world, whether you're looking at race or gender or age, you know, who are we targeting? You can't just say one person. And so we need that diversity in there. So why be threatened? What is that about ourselves? And working on that is a strong leadership skill. Um, so another microaggression is underestimating uh, team members by just ignoring them. 
giving supportive and not lead roles. So women to get the coffee, women to order the lunch, women to make the copies, um, and assume to have less power. So it's important um, during a Zoom meeting to make sure everybody has a voice and everybody has an equal voice. It's also important if we're in different time zones to alter the times of the meetings. So if it's nine in the morning here in the US and we're meeting with team members in the UK, and so it's later on in their day, it may be three or four in the afternoon, um, then maybe we could flip it another day where it may be noon for them and six in the morning for us here on the East Coast, just to bring that equity and to have, not to automatically do that, but to have those conversations so people feel validated that they're equal and that everyone matters um, and every time zone matters and for everybody to have an equal say. Um, so I really like conversations when they're structured and when we're given so many minutes for everyone to speak and the instruction is listen, you don't interrupt the person and everyone gets so many minutes to speak and then we're going to talk about it collectively. That works really well for my process um, and it brings equity. So it's something to think about. Now, let's say we're in a situation on a Zoom, it's in person, uh, we're at the grocery store, uh, and we see the microaggression happening in front of us. We need to consider safety. So again, am I going to confront somebody because they're not wearing a mask? Um, I was at the store the other night, a mom and her son, no mask. It's the mandate of that store nationwide in the U.S. to wear a mask. I didn't say anything. I had my mask on. I was, you know, waiting for them to finish checking out so I could check out. And honestly, I, I don't feel very safe doing that. I don't think it's my role to do that. And some people would say, yes, it's all of our role because we're in this society and it's all of our responsibility to create safety and equity in our society. I agree with that. I'm also in the state of Tennessee. I'm in East Tennessee. We have a large portion of our population, men and women, it doesn't matter who carry. And that means they carry weapons that are loaded with them legally. And so we don't really see that much confrontation here because we know. Everybody knows here that there, it could get ugly. Uh, so consider safety. If this is a job situation, consider the security that you have in that job. How confident are you um, psychologically safe? How do you feel to bring that up to the leader? Consider the relationship. Um, we definitely want to be continually working on our relationship to have trust. Is there trust in the relationship? And the location, what's the best space to converse and prepare with key points? So we have an advantage when it's virtual because we can have the notes in front of us and people don't have to see our stickies and notes that we prepared. Um, how to disrupt microaggressions. So a great way is an appreciative inquiry when we feel offended or judged. Say more about that. 
So this gives more information to gain awareness of the statement's negative impact. So I've heard the statement. It's had a negative impact on me. And I want the speaker to listen to themselves a little bit more. And maybe the light bulb's going to go off naturally for them to say, oh, wow. And give them grace at that point, because this is something that happens to all of us. So a great way is just say more about that. Tell me more. Avoid starting questions with why. It leaves people feeling defensive. Instead, try, tell me more about that. Paraphrase and reflect when you hear a comment that sounds intolerant. So again, we're reflecting it back to the speaker so they can hear themselves. Because most people truly, I mean, most of us, we're not trying to be harmful. We're at work, we're in the community, whether it's a place of worship um, or a family. I mean, are we really trying to harm someone um, when we're working together? I mean, there's a difference there and you have to look at, um, are they being abusive and is it intentional? And here we're talking about the implicit biases that the person could not even be aware. So it sounds intolerant. And it may be intolerant. So you feel this way because. So communicate the content and the feeling in our own words reduces defensiveness. So when you say this, I feel hurt. There are examples of leaders who have made comments. And there was a recent Harvard business review article and the title of it is so like something they're talking about microaggressions so you are guilty of a microaggression what do you do now and they give excellent examples of real-time work incidents and the leaders are saying oh I can't believe I said this and how do you navigate it now because you really messed up and that person is hurt and just being as authentic as possible um, I apologize for that. I mean, we can't justify it. We can't make excuses. It happened. And so how can we help that other person feel safe and heard and validated? Uh, so that's an excellent article to look up. Just look up Harvard Business Review, microaggressions, what do I do now? Um, use I statements. I feel hurt when you said. Use the pronouns we or us. It opens the conversation up to the entire team. And focus attention on yourself. So it's not that you said this, is that I experienced when you said. Um, and we need to talk about this. And so we're avoiding blame and this reduces defensiveness. Use preference statements. I don't think that was funny. I would like for you to stop. Now, people are going to feel embarrassed. They're going to feel awkward. So it's being comfortable and okay with having that awkward moment. It's the same as being comfortable with silence and giving silent space because that gives people time to process. And so it is going to be awkward. Um, and just stick to sharing your preferences so that person may get defensive because of the awkwardness 
and they may say, are you saying that I'm, and again, bring it back. I am having an experience and I'm, I'm just not humored by that. So my preference is that you would not say that. Um, and again, do we feel safe enough? Key phrases. I'm going to interject here. What do you mean by that? Let me pause you there. Say more about that. So it sounds like you're saying, let's try reframing this. Whether we're at home, school or work or a recreational activity, we encounter people. Something we say may spark a response we did not anticipate. Have you ever said something with implicit bias, not realizing consciously that you had a bias? I did. It was during a conversation with a professional in the community. It was at a networking event. It was actually at a holiday party. And I had no idea. I just didn't have any idea. And he was very offended and he didn't say anything. He didn't show it. And it was really, truly one of those implicit situations where I was just talking and feeling comfortable, a little too comfortable that I didn't um, assess how my words could have impact, how my viewpoint could be perceived. Um, and so that evening I noticed he went on Facebook and it was ugly. Um, he posted other professionals in the community are leaders. He's part of a leadership group. And he just completely called me out, and that's how he dealt with it. And he was making statements of, I'm kind of a big deal in this community. And it was one of those social media, I felt bullied, uh, because to solve the problem would have been, um, even if he needed a mediator, even if it was a text, if he didn't want to say it to me, a phone call to follow up if he didn't want to converse with me in the moment, but to say, did I hear you correctly? Did you just say this? And then it could have jolted me to clarify um, and for us to have a conversation. Again, it was a professional meeting. We could have done that um, very easily. And so I was hurt by that. And that's my why. Like you always wonder, like people ask me, why? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you on video? Why are you building your speaking presence? Uh, and this is why, because this happens every day. And I'm really encouraged by the conversations that I'm having with people, not only about microaggressions, I'm having conversations about racism. I'm having conversations about bias. Um, I'm a single older woman with no children. I mean, imagine the bias. You don't know unless you've been in my shoes. I'm having conversations with other adult singles about that. And what's interesting is when we speak and converse, we're having similar experiences because we're human. And we live in this broken world with all imperfect people. 
Most people are not attending harm. We need to have that mindset because if we just see people as competitive and malicious and we're trying to tear them down because they said something and we're doing it publicly, that's an insecurity. And so we need to look in ourselves and say, okay, um, I'm hurt that this person said this. I'm angry. I can't speak to them. And but what is it? You know, what kind of history did that bring up? Because we're not the cause of one another's history. And that's why I really teach a lot on neuroscience and mindset and training our brain. Because one thing that someone can say, a smell, uh, maybe it's a car driving by, something someone is doing, music can bring up a memory. And that memory could be something so negative and so traumatic that we begin to re-experience the memory in the moment. And then we begin to act harmfully towards people and irrationally. And if we could step back and be more objective and realize, okay, that just triggered a memory. Well, what do we do with that memory? That's what we teach about mindset. That's the neuroscience of it is when that memory comes up to catch ourselves and control it and say, yeah, that really did happen. It really did hurt me. It's in the past. I can't change it. What was going well? What has come out of that? What did I learn? What can I contribute now? And so the brain, when that memory comes up, is also has this thought pattern of something positive, productive, um, that is more balanced in our future. So when we're offended, it's a great opportunity to build a new thought pattern in our brain. And that does take work. It is not easy. And if you would like to hear more, we do have a video series. It's on Ribbon Inc. Um, and it does talk about building mindset. We also have our newsletter on Substack. And there you will find, uh, for subscribers, commercial-free podcast episodes. The videos are downloadable. And we have a Friday Mindset Challenge where we're teaching a mindset every week. Um, and we also have a Tuesday Teamwork Building. And these are just short excerpts that you get in your inbox and it's coaching and it's to help us to identify these areas and to work on them. So I thank you very much for joining us today. Hello, my name's Alexia Georgiou. I'm a coach and consultant. I innovate and create with empathetic, agile methodologies. My website is theresilientpathway.com. Contact me, alexia at theresilientpathway.com. That's A-L-E-X-I-A at theresilientpathway.com. We have special pandemic coaching packages available. We're also providing consultation services with development and training on Zoom. I look forward to hearing from you.
When you get a flu shot, you're protecting more than just yourself. You're protecting your family, your community, and frontline healthcare workers. It's possible to get the flu and COVID-19 at the same time, so it's more important than ever to take steps to protect ourselves and the people around us. By getting a flu shot, you greatly reduce your chance of catching the flu and spreading it to others. It's just a little shot. But it makes a big difference to all of us. The flu shot is available now at Penn Medicine Lancaster General Health. 